Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for bringing us together on this day that we might hear and speak the words that you would have for us. Open our minds, open our ears, and open our hearts that we may indeed hear your message. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. I, I know most of you. My name is Laura Bowman. I am a transitional deacon serving here for six months, and I'll be bringing you the message about Jonah this morning. As most of you know, we're continuing our sermon series called His Story, which is highlighting different points from the Bible that are going to lead us to Christ. So far, we've been looking at Old Testament books. We started in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden. And last week, we made it to the prophets. These weeks of study with the prophets are going to be the last lessons in the Old Testament before we move on to the New Testament. Last week, Father Chris talked about the prophet Elijah. And Father Chris told us that a prophet's job is to turn a people's hearts back to God. Do you remember that? A prophet's job is to turn the people's hearts back to God. I hope by now you're seeing a pattern that's developing in all these lessons because God is consistent. God is a God of mercy and compassion. He pursues us. But he requires faith and obedience from his people. And like those other lessons that we've gone through, we are going to see that today with the prophet Jonah. Lest you think the prophets are some sort of angel or um, some sort of subset of God, they are human. But they are chosen, and they follow God, and they have their job. The prophet that we're going to talk about today, Jonah, is a little reluctant. But we're going to see how God works with him and works with his people. And I think you'll see how God works with us today, too. I know you all remember the story of Jonah from when you were young. It was basically what I read to you from the lesson. Jonah's in the water. Jonah got eaten by a fish. He was there for three days, and the fish spit him out. As the Bible story goes, that's kind of a strange starting and ending. So I'm going to have to give you some background to make that make a little bit of sense. Our story of Jonah takes place a couple hundred years after prophet Elijah, which puts us between like 790 and 760 B.C. But God gave that assignment to Jonah. The problem was Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah didn't want to go. He had no time for the people of Nineveh. It was known to be a wicked city. There were all kinds of unholy things going on there. He may have been fearful about how he would have been treated. Why am I going to go try to preach to these people? They're not going to listen to me anyway. Either way, he had no intention of going to Nineveh. 
How do you tell God that? What he did was he hatched a plan and he decided to go the opposite direction and hide out from God for a while till maybe this Passover. So Nineveh's up here, Jonah headed that way. Jonah decided that the city of Tarshish was where he needed to be, and it is the opposite direction. So what he did was he went to the port city of Joppa on the Mediterranean, and he found a ship, a cargo ship, that was headed for Tarshish. Now, that Tarshish is about 550 miles from Joppa, so that was going to be a month-long cruise for him, and it wasn't going to be much of a cruise because it was a cargo ship. But that's okay, because he was hiding out. So he, he got himself a ticket, and he got on board, and he climbed way down in. And when they got out into the open water in the Mediterranean, suddenly a storm came forth. A horrible storm, a violent storm, not the kind of storm we've had for the last couple of days. We're afraid that this ship was actually going to break up and they were all going to die at sea. They were terrified. The ship's crew, they were pagans, and so they all started praying to their various gods for relief from this horrible storm, but it did no good. Nothing helped. They decided that they would throw all the cargo overboard, thinking if they lightened up the load, that would help. And you know, if you think about that, they had embarked out into a month-long journey with their, with their cargo. That was their point of being there. But trying to save themselves, they said, let's get rid of it. We'll see what we can do. They got rid of all their cargo. It didn't help. Finally, the captain of the ship went looking for Jonah, and he found him asleep down in the hold, and the captain woke him up and said, what are you doing? How are you sleeping down here? You need to come up with us and you need to pray to your God to stop this storm and save our lives. They were genuinely terrified. But I can only imagine how Jonah must have felt about that since, you know, his whole point in being down there was that he was trying to hide from God. So he probably wasn't too keen on that idea. But he went up with the captain and he, by this time, realized that this was God chasing him down. So he admitted to all of them who he was. I'm a, I'm a prophet, and I'm a follower of the Lord God, and I've been hiding from him. And the only way you're probably going to save yourselves is to throw me overboard and let, me, let whatever may happen happen to me. But I know this is a storm of God that you can't resolve this. Well, they didn't want to do that because after they heard that, then they're thinking, wow, not only do we have some kind of fugitive from justice on board, now we're going to go ahead and kill somebody too. That's not right. So they hatched a plan amongst themselves to, to row, to start rowing and rowing to see if they could row themselves back to shore. But that didn't work either because their rowing was not nearly as strong as God's storm. Ultimately, they listened to Jonah. They picked him up and they threw him overboard. And as soon as they did that, remarkably, the storm stopped. The winds died down, the seas were calm, and they were saved. 
They got on their knees and they thanked the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to him. And they made an oath to follow him. But not so much for Jonah. Jonah was in the Mediterranean. And he was sinking fast. He was going down, down, down. It had to be black all around him. And he must have absolutely thought his life was over. As he was sinking and thinking, well, this is it, suddenly a big fish came by and swallowed him whole. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. During that time, he had nothing to do but think about everything that had happened. To think about God, what God had asked him to do. To think about how his actions had impacted the people on that ship. And that's where we come into today's reading. And if you listened closely to the reading, most of it was the prayer from Jonah to God, from the belly of that fish. It starts out in his deepest despair. He believes his life is done. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me and the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have owed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So during that prayer, you can sort of see where he started out in the very deepest of despair about his situation. And by the time he was done, he had come to some realizations, and he shouted out in praise to the Lord. And after Jonah finished his prayer, God called upon that big fish, and the fish vomited Jonah out onto dry land. That's the end of the lesson you heard earlier. But to make that make sense, we do have to go just a little bit further. After Jonah was back safely on dry land, the Lord came to him again, said, Jonah, still want you to go to Nineveh. <laughs> this time Jonah listened, and Jonah went to Nineveh. He went to this big city. He walked the streets. And he told the people, you have 40 days to clean up your act or you will be destroyed. To Jonah's surprise, this evil city 
these unholy inhabitants, listen to him. They listened to him and they repented. And even they call him in the Bible the king of Nineveh. He wasn't really the king. Uh, he was a, a noble or a governor that was in charge of that city. He took off his robes and he put on sackcloth and he sat down in the dust and he issued a decree and he said the people and animals were all to be in sackcloth and fasting and praying to God. And he ordered that they all give up their evil ways and their violence in the hopes that God might relent and let them live. When God saw that they had sincerely turned themselves around and turned away from their evil, God relented and did not destroy the city. Now, you might think that as a prophet, Jonah would be rejoicing. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, right? He went in, he talked to these people, 120,000 people immediately repented. That's got to be like winning the Super Bowl for a prophet. But if that's what you thought about Jonah, you'd be wrong. Because Jonah was upset. The very human Jonah didn't like those evil Ninevites to begin with. He didn't think they were worthy of being saved. He didn't want them to be saved. And yet, God relented and saved them. And Jonah kind of felt like an accessory because he's the one that went in there and gave them the good word that they listened to. And so they, they were going to be fine. And it was, he looked at it as all his fault. Jonah said he was so angry that he wanted to die. He told God, I knew this would happen. I just knew it would happen. You would show compassion and mercy and you wouldn't follow through. That's why I tried to forestall this whole thing and go to Tarshish instead of going here to the Ninevites. But God responded to Jonah and he asked him, do you really think it's right for you to be angry? After all, Jonah was just the messenger. God didn't tell him he needed to go in there and knock on doors and evangelize people. He didn't tell him that he needed to go live among the people and make a good example of himself so that they might take the hint. God told them to deliver a message. He delivered a message. The people listened, and it was successful. Period. Isn't that a human trait? You like to see people, you look at someone that you know has kind of gotten over on people, and you think, boy, they're going to get there someday. And then if they don't, then you get kind of indignant about it. I know I do. It's a little self-righteousness there, maybe. Friends, as we consider the story of Jonah, I have a question for you. What is your Nineveh? Is there anything inside you that you keep to yourself, that you just hold on to so tightly that it nags at you, but you're not willing to bring it out for discussion and you certainly don't want God to know about it? 
We open our services each week with the Collect for Purity. It starts like this. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. No secrets are hid. He knows it all. Are there parts of your life that you're trying to hide? And who are you hiding them from? Do you have fears or insecurities about money or taxes or your health or pornography or just something that's nagging at you, some doubts, your family? What's your private secret? God knows each of us to our core. There are no secrets from God. He walks with us, and he wants to hear from us about our pain and about our secrets. As we finish up here, let's look at God's actions in Jonah's story. God showed mercy on Jonah several times. He didn't strike him down because Jonah went and hid from him. He didn't let Jonah drown. He sent a a fish there to swallow him and release him safely. He didn't even strike down Jonah when Jonah was so angry that he wanted to die because of what happened. Even then, God showed his compassion. God showed mercy on the ship's crew, and they became converted as a result. He also showed mercy, certainly, on the Ninevites, He showed us that he is a God of second chances and that he would not give up on Jonah or the crew or the Ninevites, just like he won't give up on us today. Indeed, because of the work of Christ, God will never give up on us. We must remember that God's plans are so much bigger than our plans. In fact, about 50 years after Jonah, Nineveh became the capital city in the northern kingdom. So perhaps God was preparing Nineveh for the role that they were going to be fulfilling in the near future. Yes, God's plans are bigger than ours. He continues to pursue us. And like with every other lesson we've heard so far, He just wants our faith and our obedience. Amen.